Are you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. Today it is a privilege and honor to start a new series with the podcast called Director Spotlight, where I have on one of the directors of a Looney Tunes cartoon. And for this one, it is a real pleasure because he's done so many with Looney Tunes cartoons being a reimagined version of the classics. It was really interesting to see how they would pick up that legacy and continue it. And I'm here with one of the founders of the whole shebang. Please welcome on the Annie-nominated storyboard artist behind so many shows that you know and love, such as Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness, as well as a writer and animator on Ben 10, Uncle Grandpa, and what we're here to talk about today, Looney Tunes cartoons. I'm here with Ryan Kramer. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, thanks. Uh, good to be here. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks for joining me and uh, wanting to discuss these classic shorts with me, as well as what the work that is going on, thanks to Pete Browngard and Sam Register over at Warner Brothers Animation, and just the whole rejuvenation of this franchise. Through you guys, I feel like you really gave it a shot in the arm, and I think the Emmys would agree, because... As of yesterday, you guys have now worked with an Emmy award-winning performer in Eric Bauza, who presented you with his Bugs Bunny, his Marvin the Martian, his Daffy Duck, and Tweety. The list goes on, but it is such a joy to see such talent coming from this show and such recognition being shown to the show what was it like working with eric and did you feel that in the room like his like presence like bringing these characters to life again oh he's so magical uh yeah with eric he's actually the reason i got into animation in the first place i was oh, working wow. when i was working a as a student at cal state fullerton studying animation and i was uh, working at disneyland basically doing like behind the scenes laundry uh, for the costumes and stuff. And I had mentioned to somebody that I was, you know, studying to be an animator, wanting to work in the animation industry. And one of the persons that I was uh, talking to happened to be his cousin. And she was like, Oh my, you know, my cousin does voices. He's, you know, he was Ren from Ren and Stimpy. And I was like, no way. Eric, and I, of course I, I knew who he was right off the top of my head. And I sent her, I sent her home with like my handmade sketchbook and said, you know, hey, give this to him, let him know. Da, da, da. And so I got in touch with him via email and he was working at uh, Six Point Harness as a, mm -hmm. as a layout artist or an animator. And he was my end. I ended up getting an internship at Six Point Harness because I, I name dropped Eric Bauza and uh, the rest is history. It was, I was, just from day one, I knew that guy was a superstar. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, he's been nothing but kind to the podcast coming on here and diving into Bugs Bunny <laughs> for the 80th anniversary celebration, which was a joy. But, you know, you guys and everything that you're doing has been so referential and so important, I think, to the legacy of the cartoons, because it's allowed a lot of people to go back and look at what made these characters so great in the first place. You know, Eric is doing that exact thing with the voice acting and, you know, getting those 
those yellings, uh, those yelling performances for bugs uh, out there again, which is something that Mel did. And I feel like, you know, with Eric bringing that back, that was such a, a unique thing. Um, but just, you know, staying on topic of the Emmy when I just wanted to, you know, congratulate Eric on here and just say that it is so wonderful to see this recognition bestowed upon the rabbit himself, uh, which is also Bugs Bunny's first Emmy win. Uh, the Looney Tunes legacy is still gaining accolades and it's wonderful to see. <laughs> yeah, super awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy for him and couldn't happen to a nicer guy. So very cool. Yeah, indeed. So you have worked on as a writer and a director and a storyboard artist on a lot of these shorts. Can you talk a bit about the process of coming on to Looney Tunes and what was your familiarity with the franchise? Uh, uh, huge inspiration for me in, in college. Uh, it was, yeah, classic Looney Tunes were uh, the things I bonded with the, the guys I, I still work with and uh, today with was, you know, all, all the old classics. Um, so yeah, highly inspirational. I, I, I feel super honored to even have a small part in, in bringing them back to life. And I'd worked with Pete, uh, Brown on, on uncle grandpa and he's just uh, got the, he's uh, the superpower of harnessing all the best talent and keeping everybody, uh, you know, inspired and, and doing their best work because he's, you know, he knows how to cater to people's strengths and he's, and he's nice. And I don't know, he's a great leader. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those things, I, I feel that they flow and they, they are received by the audience. Like we can tell that, you know, he has the best guys in the biz working on these and, and women <laughs> um, just hands down that the talent behind the, the scenes here is impeccable and unlike anything we're seeing in television today. Yeah, I mean, in, when he first brought a, brought me on, it, I, I got to admit it, I, I thought it was going to be hard to pull off. It just sounded like, geez, man, how are we going to get, uh, you know, super quality animation with these super intricate, hard to draw characters and, and have it to look good on like a TV schedule, a TV budget. But um, yeah, every, everybody showed up to, to do their part and... And I think we really made something special. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And for you, you have adapted some of the most classic Looney Tune visual gags in the shorts that you've directed, such as, you know, the cross-dressing rabbit in Pest Coaster, the exploding piano gag in Siberian Sam with the Russian dolls, and of course, <laughs> Porky jumping through a drum set and saying, that's all folks, but in yours, he's on fire and he just exploded and he's like blowing smoke as he's saying it. When <laughs> when you get these in the storyboard version, are you expecting like, oh, wow, I'm like adding to this legacy of joke or is it just all fresh to you and you're excited to jump in? I mean, you're definitely pulling from the well of inspiration from from the classics, uh, but we never wanted to just, you know, straight rip anything off or copy it, you know, verbatim. So it'd always be an interesting twist on on something that was old and familiar. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had great board artists on, under my, my team. I had Andy Gonzalez who had such a reverence for the shorts. My, one of my best buds, Chris Allison, same thing. Like, you know, we, we bonded over the classic Looney Tunes in college. And then uh, Mike Polinski just, you know, 
everybody's got this immense knowledge of, of, of the Looney Tunes library. So uh, we, I had such a, a great team. It was like, it was hard to go wrong. <laughs> I guess you'd really have to try to make a mistake. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. And Andy Gonzalez has touched on, I mean, he's had a hand in all the scripts that really like transcend the medium. I think like every script that he touches, it feels like, He's elevating the source material to another level that you don't even expect. You know, he, he also worked on uh, Graveyard Goofs, which I had the Tonic DNA animators on to talk about. And, you know, they were praising his uh, his scripts as well. Like, it's just phenomenal work over there. Oh, he's so funny. He writes the dialogue so well for those characters. And uh, he, he's he's real passionate about it. Like, Andy, Andy uh, he takes his work seriously and... Yeah, he, he made my job super easy, so... <laughs> That's great. You know, I'd, I'd love to do it again with him. And you are one of the directors that took on a vast majority of the Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner shorts, and it seemed like you adhered to Chuck Jones's Nine Rules, but were you ever tempted to break one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> of course. Um, and, and I don't know if we, if we ever did. I think, did we... I don't think you did. I don't think you did. But I was wondering if there was ever talk of, you know, like, you know, maybe the Roadrunner should get off the road for this gag. Yeah, I think it was definitely contemplated, but I I think we honored, I think we honored the rules. (laughs) It showed, it showed like the the reverence always poured through and it it felt like you were honoring instead of, you know, breaking down and, and deconstructing. Yeah. which I thought was really great. And you really added to the the mythology of the characters because now they're modernized and working with technology. And in yours, you always have new gadgets and gizmos that the characters are holding, such as when Sylvester in Rhino, you don't. He has the uh, holographic uh, button, I guess you would say. And that entire mechanism comes back into play at the end where Tweety is using it as a stampede projection to get Sylvester to, you know, run himself silly through walls. And then it cuts to him and he goes, I love technology. Was there a mandate for you to add technology or was that just organic to the storytelling? I think it was just organic to the storytelling. Uh, okay. That was actually the first board I I did. Pete uh, brought me on to freelance that one before I even started directing. So I was just kind of getting my bearings with like, all right, how do we reinvent these, you know, classic cartoons, but give them a slightly modern twist. And a hologram was and it was always kind of discussed that they didn't want it to be, you know, like super, you know, hey, here's, you know, Porky Pig, uh, Porky, Porky Pig and Daffy Duck doing, you know, uh, TikTok dances. And it was never going to be like that, but it was like to introduce, you know, you know, they could have a, you know, smartphone here and there or, you know, just a holographic thing, you know, something that they didn't have you know, back in the forties or the fifties. Yeah. But it felt like it fit in the world that you created and the, the aesthetic of everything. It just, it kind of fit along with the cloning machine that Wiley uses in multiply and conquer, which is one of my favorites that you did where Wiley yeah. clones himself to catch the Roadrunner and actually accomplishes the feat. But there are so many Wileys to go around that <laughs> they all gang up on each other to, you know, ultimately allow the Roadrunner to escape. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a super fun one. It was, it, it, I gotta tell you, it was hard too to like sometimes write those because it just there were so, uh, so many of those cartoons and 
seemed like a lot of ideas had been done. Yeah. Uh, but by the end, we were, we were, it felt like our ideas were running a little thin, but uh, yeah, it, that was definitely a fun challenge. Your short uh, Pest Coaster was one of the first that was released. And in the trailer, we saw a bit of that. We saw the cross-dressing bit, um, which is really fun and a callback to all those times Bugs put on a woman's dress to confuse Elmer or his adversary. And I did a whole cross-dressing episode with Ginny Lorenzo, who's in Victor Valentino, which you also wrote for. How like You were working on Victor Valentino and Looney Tunes cartoons at the same time, right? Uh, yeah. So when I freelanced that first, uh, Sylvester and Tweety cartoon, I was on, uh, Victor and Valentino. And so after, I guess what I, if I turned, my board was successful enough that I was invited to come work on the show and I took the opportunity and left Victor and Valentino and, uh, yeah. And then was on it for the next two to three years. Wow. Amazing. I mean, those two projects are really great in their own right. So like, I mean... That, that was a Sophie's choice right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I had a lot of fun on Victor and Valentino. Uh, Diego and, and uh, Casey Alexander were, uh, were running something special over there too. So, Awesome. Awesome to hear. And you also had the ability to create new Acme products uh, because of the Wiley Coyote, but also Sylvester used Acme products as well. What was it in the room to come up with a new Acme device? Was it like you had to go through patents and like see what was already out there? Or was it just off the top of your head and like you drew it out in storyboard and you were like, maybe this will work? Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of visual. Uh, we all in the writer's room, there was, you know, pads of paper. And uh, we all with with cartoonists writing the show, you know, we all think visually. So you know, sometimes it would just be, you know, a, a cartoonist putting down what whatever contraption would look like and writing around that. So, uh, gotcha. uh, yeah. And then, of course, you know, we, we would draw inspiration from the classics while trying not to completely just plagiarize or, or reuse. We always wanted to invent uh, something kind of new and fresh. So, yeah, I think you did. Uh, especially the tornado forming machine, uh, which Wiley uses to control the weather. And it's just a bunch of different weather options. But the tornado animation just astounds me from the formation to the evaporation of it. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see that like go from storyboard to like completion and be like just blown away? <laughs> oh, totally. And and another uh, secret ingredient that we had on our side was our uh, animation director, Joey Caps, uh, Joseph Cas- Capabianca. That guy just w- would take anything that was, you know, maybe not delivering as, as much as we'd like. And, and he would get it to a place where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, now that feels classic and cool and, and, and awesome. So he was always a excellent dude to have on, on on the team. Nice. Yeah. Joey Cap's also a fan of the podcast. Yes. Uh, so shout out to Joey. <laughs> shout out to Joey. Um, that's wonderful. And another piece of technology that you get wrapped up in is in Duplicate Daffy when Daffy gets trapped in a printer and he just copies himself. And you guys really explore what gets under Daffy's skin, which is Daffy himself. Uh, <laughs> were, were, were these shorts all inspired by Duck Amuck or were there different inspirations there? Because I, I felt like Duck Amuck was really the antithesis of Daffy versus Daffy. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sure we pulled inspiration from that. I think we were more leaning towards like a, a clampet cartoon for that one, just with like 
you know, the some of the backgrounds had, you know, no horizon lines. Um, oh. Just kind of kind of surreal in in nature. Um, so I think I think we were looking at clamp and stuff for that. Uh, but yeah, that was, I forget what the premise was. Some of these were hard too, because it was like, you know, they weren't all just, you know, six, seven minute shorts. It would be, we need a, uh, a two minute Daffy or, you know, minute 30. I forget what some of the lengths were, but, um, for some of them to be so short, it was really just, you know, all right, what's a, what's a fun little playground that we can have a, a some cool, you know, visual treats and get in and get out. And that was a. I think that was the idea for duplicate Daffy. Just or Daffy gets caught in a uh, uh, a copy machine, and, and and what does that look like? How does that go? And my yeah. Chris uh, Chris Allison uh, really delivered on that one. It was super fun. He did. It's super surreal to watch that one too. With you know, as you said, the no backgrounds or like yeah. the very deep backgrounds. Yes. Um, another Clampett inspired visual gag that you had in one of yours was in Keytastrophe. Uh, which I recently made a post on the Instagram. And if you're not following the Instagram, you should. It's called, uh, of course, you realize this means podcast on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a chainsaw inspired moment from the Daffy Dock, uh, where Daffy wields a saw at Porky. And in yours, he's wielding a chainsaw to get the keys that he believes are inside Porky. And he needs to make an incision. Um, this was an all-timer short for Bob Clampett. And he solidified Daffy as a new star with the wacky Daffy personality. What was it like bringing Daffy back to those roots again in script and storyboard? Oh, so fun. So cool. Um, I love that short too. It's super funny, but um, yeah, just uh, how can we, you know, take that loony old school Daffy energy and, and bring it into something modern and, uh, I we had an, a, a cleanup artist and revisionist Stephen Herzig who who did some incredible drawings for that one with the I think he even did some of those gnarly chainsaw uh, <laughs> drawings and um, yeah it was, uh, I love I love a simple premise that just goes to a crazy place like you know, Porky can't find his keys all right Daffy tries to help him and it's it almost writes itself but yeah and that's another brilliant one by Andy. Um, who just, you know, delivered gold every, every time. Phenomenal work across the board. And that's one of my favorites to revisit. Just, just the sheer manic, uh, aggressiveness that Daffy shows toward finding these keys. <laughs> and then you also have some really fun yep. gags with like the Florida keys <laughs> hanging on the wall. Yes. There was no, uh, no shortage of puns from, from that crew. <laughs> Uh, going back to Wiley and Roadrunner, uh, in this, Roadrunner has the kind of a cross-eyed design. Was that your idea, or was that from Jim Soper, who redesigned these? Uh, probably Jim. I'm, you know, maybe Alex Kerwan had, had some influence over that final decision. Uh, oh. I think they, they always liked the idea of him being kind of uh, vacant and not making, you know, he, he wasn't too calculated in trying to you know, foil Wiley Coyote. It was always just, you know, he playing him like he doesn't even know what the hell's going on. He's just a speed demon bird. Oh, I like that. I like that. Cause in the classics he held signs, you know, and then this one, he doesn't really hold signs anymore. Yeah. I think he did a couple times, but I don't even, I don't know if he did on any of mine to be honest, but um, yeah, it was a, a interesting take. 
Yeah, that just goes back to each director has their own personality put into the characters. And I love that. I love that aspect of it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and so you had the joy of working with Sam, uh, Yosemite Sam, in this respect, uh, a couple of times. And he has a, a very unique personality and he's smarter than Elmer, but dumber than Bugs. So Bugs can always get the, you know, one, two on him. But what was it like bringing Yosemite back? And are there any favorite gags that you had working with that character? Uh, he's one of my favorite characters just because it's, it's so easy to do an angry character. And yeah. uh, uh, I guess favorite gags. One of the first ones I boarded on was the, the pest coaster where mm-hmm. he was you know discriminating against bugs from, from going on the roller coaster. Uh, I love when he uh, is gonna go kiss the baby. Bugs is disguised as a as a woman pushing a stroller, and he can't resist kissing a baby. Uh, so Bugs, you know, allows him to do it. But when he reveals, I, I I'm setting it up poorly. But before that, he had thrown some dynamite in the toilet, and when he comes out <laughs> of the stall, he goes to see and he sees the baby. It's like, oh, can I kiss your baby? And then he reveals when he lifts the stroller. Uh, cover up that it's the dynamite in the toilet and uh, <laughs> proceeds to kiss it and blow up. And uh, I thought that was super funny. Uh, it was very funny and a very yeah. unique, unique visual. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I'm hesitant to say what, uh, if there's some other ones that, that I like, cause I'm not sure. I don't think the one that I'm thinking of has even aired yet. So I, I'll probably, I'll just sit on that one for now, but okay. Uh, there's, there's plenty, there's plenty to check out. Wonderful. And I know that you snuck in a couple of references or the the whole team did uh, with uh, like the woe camel reference, but it was on his uh, with his husky sled. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, he had a few more. But the true question for me is, I don't know if you know this, but we don't know who voiced the three haired rabbit. And was that I mean, it has to be a reference to the fugitive, right? <laughs> in Bounty Bunny. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, that was. Yeah, considered, but I don't. I'm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who voiced the three-haired rabbit either. Oh, okay. It will remain a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, for some reason the credits are not on HBO Max. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it will remain a mystery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a really deep, gravelly voice. It might be Eric. <laughs> I'm 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 failing to remember uh, what the reference was. That was in. The three-haired rabbit. What was uh, oh what? bounty bunny? When Yosemite is hunting bugs, but he mistakenly grabs bunny, but bugs, and uh, he goes, "No, it's not me. I have two hairs, on my, two whiskers." Oh, right, right, right. And yeah, you're looking for a three-whiskered rabbit. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, yes. Uh, who was it? I think it was Eric, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think he he was doing a kind of a Stallone. Uh, he was, yes. Yeah. yeah. Mystery's been solved. It was Eric all all along. (laughs) And with Tweety celebrating his 80th anniversary this year, did you have a say in what went into one of those Tweety shorts that you directed? Or was it just, uh, you know, (laughs) adhered to what the writers came up with? Um, And what's a fascinating aspect of Tweety that you really enjoyed? Uh, I... I don't think we did anything special for for the 80th. I was already rolling off by by the time that was even going to be a thing. Um, but I I just love Tweety's like ambiguousness of you never know if he's uh, sometimes you know 
just being a little prankster and, and he he really is trying to foil Sylvester or if he's completely innocent. So I, I like uh, I like playing with that a lot. So yeah, yeah and and at the start of Rhino, you don't. He shoots a horsefly off of the back of the elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a little uh, mischievous. <laughs> yeah, my again, my first that was my first uh, storyboard coming on, so I was just uh, trying stuff out, and that was uh, I forget if maybe Johnny Ryan wrote that in the the premise, but or the outline, but uh, yeah, it was uh, we were going for it. Yeah, <laughs> Joey, Joey Cap said the same thing whenever he saw the the mummy dummy sketches. He's like, "Whoa, they're going for it." Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad it was a no hold bars party over there for these characters. It was. I've, the bad news for me is I think I've I've peaked in my career. This is it's not going to get much better for me, but at least I got to I got to do it. Never say never. It could come back again. That's true. That's true. And I am. I should feel very lucky too that I'm I'm uh, working on uh, the Porky and Daffy movie that's been announced, and that's a whole other amazing experience and. You know, Pete and Alex are is really bringing something spectacular to life with that too. So it's I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of that. And I've also been working on the the Coyote uh, versus Acme movie too. So I'm I'm an in-house resident Looney <laughs> Tunes cartoons. Uh, they're they're putting my kids through college this past couple of years. <laughs> That's wonderful. I really can't wait to see the animation in these. Yeah, me uh, me too. And I, there's, I, I have seen some of the animation for the uh, Looney Tunes, uh, the Porky Daffy movie. And you, I don't know if you saw that leaked footage uh, from Ottawa. I think yes. that's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's it's looking super amazing. So, last question: What is your favorite Looney Tune to work with? Hmm, probably Yosemite Sam. Okay, I just that fool's so fun to get angry, and I have an <laughs> uncle that kind of sounds like him when he talks, so it's, I always. <laughs> I can just picture what he's saying by uh, pretending he's my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Are there any classic shorts that you love revisiting uh, just, you know, for fun or, or that gives you inspiration for comedy? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, Kitty Cornered is a super fun one to, uh, to watch over and over. Um, Baby Bottleneck. I love, uh, Falling Hair is a great one. Oh, that's a wonderful one. Uh, for, maybe from like the J- Jones era. I, lo- I really like Alibaba Bunny. Yes. Uh, Pest in the House. Super good. I uh, love all the Ralph Phillips cartoons. Um, Ooh, that, that allows me to ta- ask you about Ralph Phillips because uh, yeah. we know he's coming back. Did you have a chance to work with Ralph Phillips in this series? Yeah. So I, I, I got to direct the... Uh, I believe the one and only Ralph Phillips cartoon. Oh my gosh. Andy Gonzalez was uh, the writer and board artist on it. So it's brilliant and it's funny. And um, I think I, I was just rolling off as we were starting to get footage back for that one. Um, so it was, it was looking amazing. I have, I, I don't think I've seen that one all cut together yet, but um, I know it's, I know it's going to be a treat just from what I saw. Gotcha. Excellent. Uh, we were given a small preview at Comic-Con, but I, I cannot wait to see what the the team has in store for this next batch and when we'll get it. I, I think it's uh, coming in February of next year. I think that was a, a rumored release date. 
Um, but yeah, I'm just super excited for more of these and kudos to the entire team. Obviously, uh, we're seeing the Emmys uh, recognize it. Maybe we'll get another Oscar nom later on uh, when another one of these is submitted, like Curse for the Monkey Bird was. And yep. yeah, who knows? Uh, fingers crossed. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show and spe- speaking to us fans. Um, you have the floor, sir. I know you're working with a charity right now with uh, some Bugs Bunny drawings. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Oh, that was just a, a thing for through our, our at the Animation Guild where uh, they just send out a call to basically uh, make cards for their uh, senior citizen residents. Um, and yeah, I I posted a. I've been doing that for the past few years now, and it's 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 kind of fun. I never know who gets the cards or you know what their reaction is, but uh, it's just a small little thing I can do to spread some holiday cheer. Oh, I love that! And if the fans want to follow you on on Twitter, it's uh, Toonhole Ryan, correct? Yep. Same with uh, Instagram. Same with Facebook, and same with TikTok. Cool. Uh, well, thank you, and you can follow the podcast on facebook and instagram at this means pod and the twitter is ofc this means pod uh so follow us on social medias where we will be celebrating with looney tunes christmas special clips and other goodies so enjoy that you can also uh, check out the shopify link over on the etsy page and you can get uh stickers if you want to support the show in that way And there's also a Patreon with exclusive material and commentaries. Uh, So if you want even more content, you can go over there. Um, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. And as always, that's not all, folks. (laughs) Right on.